0: Welcome to another edition of the Copcast Podcast. The games are coming too thick and too fast for us to keep up with them. So we've decided not even to bother trying. Um, and to discuss not trying, um, I've got uh, Nathan Patterson and Tony Gall, and I've got Johnny Henderson and Belfast, which seems um, seems like some sort of weird parallel universe. Um with used two kind of swap. The, the reverse universe. Yeah, swapping counties. Um <laughs> so yeah. Um Johnny, um it's been a while. So look three games, three different competitions since we last sat down and talked. Uh, we've put a pot in the in the cabinet, which is great. Um yes. I would say that performances haven't been convincing <laughs> by any stretch. Um, West Ham we make hard work off we probably get away with one um, they have chances um, Norwich phew, looks like it's Denbury and, and then the second half far, mo- far more hard work than it should be and then it's kind of the same against Inter we never really get going I think the start of the second half we look absolutely superb and then they score the goal and then the red card happens and it's kind of just right. let's just play it out from here um, so, you know, people will get worried about form and people will get concerned about various different aspects of performance and, and individual contributions, etc. And the labels will still be attached to certain players like Curtis Jones and Jordan Henderson and this bizarre narrative around Luis Diaz and um, Mo Salah, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but it kind of has to be expected with the amount of rotation that we've seen... It's what I think between the Sunday week ago and Tuesday night, I think that's four games in nine days, which is absurd. So yes. it would be it would be daft to expect this team to come out and just blow everyone away before them without having at least some sort of adversity to deal with.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean we we've all um We've all been supporting Liverpool a long time, and I don't don't think we've ever been in this position, have we? Well, maybe we were in in 84, something like that. That was before I was supporting Liverpool, where we're actually in with a chance of, you know, four trophies. So, of course, there's going to be games along the way here where we're, you know, we're not at our best, and we're trying to grind out the results. And as you say, crazy amount of games, crazy amount of rotation, and, um. And you can't be perfect all the time. So it it is, it's a nonsense. It really is uh, a nonsense. And I think some people are really, really, um, sort of sport with, with this team. You know, they're, they're, they're unbelievably sport in terms of how they, how, how they expect us just to be at such an optimum level. I think in all the games, you know, you, you look at them all, the games along the way, and, and in particular the, you know, the West Ham and the, um, and the game last night, and and for all the you know for all the feelings you know that you, that you, that you could point to uh, where we're not firing on all cylinders, we're still you know last night was you know at, I I looked at the the game last night against Slender as <clears throat> it's it's a perfect one to if you're going to lose if you're going to lose a game one nil then a game where you've you know a, a game we hit the woodwork three times by the way and had some miraculous clearances. That's a game to lose. You know, there's no harm done. We, 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 we move on. Um, it's, it's similar to West Ham at the weekend. You know, we, we still created plenty of big, big chances in the game. You know, you think of Salas in the first couple of minutes and just didn't go our way, but you know, we're doing enough. We're doing enough to get over the line. And, and, and that is, that's all that matters. I mean, this is just about results. This is just about results at the minute. We've just got to keep t- ticking along. And there's no doubt with a set of players, as you said, Dave, when we were having the chat pre pod, you know, adversity, when they get a result like last night where wasn't firing all cylinders, we learn a lot from it and we usually come out stronger. So keeps their feet on the ground, keeps them focused. I'm not one bit worried about it. Um, I'd like, I'd like Mo to start getting back on the goal trail. Um, but I'm sure he, I'm I'm sure he'd be out to. Prove a point to Brighton on Saturday, so yeah. Listen, there's a lot of people that are that are sport, but um, we're still getting the results, and um, I'm, I'm sure we'll be we'll be firing an all cylinders soon. And people just need to get a bit real with their expectations. That's that's the way I say.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Johnny. Chief, the you know we've got results and performances, um, but the underlying numbers within the game still remain strong. Um, you know, I think it's right at one point eight versus interest, not point three. Um, as Johnny Wright, our, our expected goals. And as Johnny rightly say, we've, we've two ridiculous clearances. Um Skriniar in the first half from Van Dijk and then Vidal, And we you know we hit both posts in the crossbar. So <sighs> these things happen in football. That's why that's why it's the greatest sport in the world. That's you know, you can go so close with being so far away at times, it's almost like that that kind of tennis scenario where you can be at match point and then two games later lose. Um, The margins are so fine. So if you're on a 12-game unbeaten run, winning run, if you want to count the penalty shootout against Chelsea, the law of averages would suggest that one of these results is going to find its way into the fixtures at some point or another regardless of how good you are, how well you play, because these little idiosyncrasies constantly crop up in football time and time again, no matter how good the side is. So I think for me, we've kind of, this maybe represents an opportunity for us to, as Johnny says, um, take a step back, take stock, look at maybe slight elements of complacency Um and shrug off a really intense nine day period where we've come out relatively unscathed and take this as a marker and and now reset and go again right to the business end of the season
2: Absolutely, I mean like you said, unbeaten runs don't go on forever, that's why people talk about them Um, so by definition, they have to come to an end. And, um, as you put it, that's the one we could afford to lose. So I don't think we saw Liverpool play at 100% last night. Um, I, I think we managed the game for a large period. Certainly after they scored, we just kept the ball, which, which was great. Um, we helped by the fact that Alexis Sanchez got sent off. So they were down to 10. The substitutions worked um, and all we were concerned with really, okay, we, of course we tried to, to score the equaliser, but the main concern was simply they get nowhere near us and uh, they barely threatened in the last half an hour, whatever it was. So to that extent, you know, we didn't... So to, to use all the cliches, we didn't get out of second gear, and we didn't push ourselves too, and we still could have had five goals. Hit the hit the post and crossbar. Hit the post twice. Hit the crossbar. Van Dyke's one. I think there's another one. Yeah, the Louis Diaz won, <laughs> the Diaz one. The Diaz one. So there's five, and I would imagine your expected goals are. are are pretty high when you have those chances as well. Salas yeah. is almost an empty net. Van Dijk's is point blank. Um, so is Diaz's. So also, Maddox header, um, is, is pretty close in and he, he, it's a free header, although it's hit at him hard. But I mean, he's a whisker away. So I, yeah. I think the Maddox one's unlucky that we're talking about. Oh, he just has to hit it.
0: I think it's a little bit behind him and he has to kind of lean. I think it's a really good header, actually. He has to lean away from goal and direct it. So I think he does well to keep it down, and he's very, very unlucky. He does brilliantly,
2: he does brilliantly to keep it down, and he's more unlucky because it sort of hits the crossbar on the way up. You know what I mean? So if it's – I think if it's – you know, the margins are really fine. If it's half an inch lower, it probably grazes the crossbar and goes in. Yeah, it's one of those ones, I think, if he's a yard closer in or a yard farther out, it probably manages to find itself under the bar. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those. And it's coming in so fast that that pays to keep, it, to keep the ball down. It's good anyway, even if you do only have to head it. Um, so yeah, you know, you see is Suarez, my God, <laughs> Freudian slips, Salah's uh, won't come back off the, off the woodwork the first time. You sort of know it's not really going to be your night. And then whenever he plumb hits that half volley and it just, flies back up the post you know you really know and somehow their their goal had a charm night last night It, it wasn't meant to be for us it was meant to be for them but ultimately we were supposed to go through and we did so you move on um and like you said it's three games four games in nine days and we've come through pretty much unscathed we're we're still fighting in all the competitions and still looking good in all of them, so we're doing what needs to be done, and at this stage in in four competitions, that's what uh, that's all you can hope for, really.
0: Yeah, it is. And Johnny, you know, I think one one player that you were worried about, one team that you were certainly worried about, you know, Manchester City aside was was PSG and the like the pace of Mbappe getting him behind us the way the way he's done on a number of occasions to Real Madrid tonight. But it looks like Benjamin is sorted of that problem out force in a matter of about ten minutes.
1: <laughs> well so. I've been watch- I- I've been watching this intrigued as you boys were talking there because uh, it's it's an extraordinary game. I mean they were one 0 up and then they had a couple of big chances and but Real Madrid have absolutely Blown them away in a 20 minute spell. Benzema's uh two. One's a bit lucky. The others, a, a, a unbelievable. They, they've just complete. I mean, it does. <laughs> this does nothing to dispel the, <laughs> you know, the, the the thing about PSG that they just can't handle the heat at the top end. It's it's crazy. So yeah, three one tonight. Three two on aggregate. So I think Paris have. Uh, what um, they the seven or eight minutes? I think, well, less actually. They've got five minutes to get their act together and score a goal. So, yeah, I mean, they're a team I would. Uh, mind you, you wouldn't want to play this Real Madrid that I've seen the last twenty minutes. But overall, you'd probably rather play Madrid than PSG with some of the. There you go. Yeah, great game. Crazy. Yeah, you know, I think it's. I
0: think what I think it's worth mentioning. You know what you said about PSG. They do have this strained relationship with the Champions League they, they just cannot seem to get it together in that competition Whether It's, it's a bit city
1: isn't it and you, i are just going
0: to say you've, gotta... read, you've read my mind guys you've read my mind and I was just going to say a similar thing can be labelled at Manchester City and if you look at the other sides left in the draw you know as, as much European royalty is still in the competition, your Real Madrid and your Bayern Munich, these teams are still, I personally think, deeply flawed in comparison to ourselves. There are still weaknesses in those sides. There are still ways they can, they can get got at. Um, Bayern are not watertight at the back by any stretch of the imagination and they are not picking up points regularly in the Bundesliga and I think As per usual, um, their advantage at the top remains more down to Dortmund's deficiencies than than Barron's ability to put a run of results together. So, again, this is just another another, um, measure of where this team's at in world football. And there's no reason, Johnny, why we cannot go and realistically win the Champions League.
1: No, no, you do absolutely. I mean, we're there's no no doubt in my mind we're we're as good as we're as good as anybody in this competition. Um, it is a funny thing, though. I think more than any other competition, I think Champions League, there is something about having the pre having a, a history in the competition and a certain swagger because even in the even going back to, you know, the run in 2005 under Benitez, I mean, we had no absolutely zero right to win that. And we beat a Chelsea team that were, you know, at the time, you know, were light years ahead of us. And you, you just get that vibe off Paris and, and Man City. It's the real jewel in the crown. They really want to add it to their, you know, they, they're obsessing over getting it. But they just lack that. It?
0: Yeah,
1: it is. It is. But, but listen, absolutely. I mean, Liverpool, Liverpool can win this competition. Uh, everyone who's, who's, you know, City, City, Bayern, whoever comes out of this tie tonight, um, you know, any, everybody will fancy themselves. Uh, you know, I think, I do think Atletico and United are, and obviously you've got the, the Ajax tie as well. You, you know, uh, you, realistically, the winners of those ties, I don't think, but, but certainly if you look at Liverpool, Paris, Real, and uh, Bayern. Man City, you know, you've got a, you've you've got teams and contenders there that'll really, and Chelsea as well, you know, because they've they've been around the block and done it. So, but yeah, we're right in the conversation, and um, that that's a good place to be. We we, we haven't always had this.
0: Yeah, it's it really is. It's absurd, chief. Who who do you fancy in the next round? Because I know who, I know who I desperately want
1: in the next round. <laughs> I know. I think I can guess. <laughs>
2: Uh, I don't really know who I want at this point. I can tell you who I think we'll get.
0: <laughs> you think we'll get City?
2: Yeah. I'd rather have the other half of Manchester.
0: Thanks very much. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> Yo, fuck, they're in it, aren't they? Yeah, that's the dream. That's they the might be. They they might be in it after next week. I have they a week only might be. do. Somebody only might do a number on them at Old Trafford. I fear. I, I fancy.
2: Yeah, I, I, I know Atletico haven't been up to that much this season, but I just don't think United are anywhere, to be honest. I think when they come up against a team like Atletico with all, as you say, with all that modern Champions League experience, which United don't really have, um, they could well do a number on them. Um, so particularly over the, over the two legs, United, they just don't seem to have that much at all. I mean, you, you think they're sort of getting it together a little bit and, you know, they're in fourth and, and look pretty sort of settled and, and okay for a little bit. And then City just destroy them. Um, a City team that that isn't playing well by all, by, by all accounts and that, you know, hadn't particularly started that game. That well, but they they they're gifted a goal after after five minutes, and then Sancho sort of scores. Um, scores well, a good goal, but the the collapse was um, was something to behold. It was you know reminiscent of fucking England's cricketers in the eighties or whatever. I mean, it was that it was that bad. Um, it, it was awful. It was like it was like. It was like watching a boxing match,
0: and you're just asking for the, the ref to stop it. Yeah. And he lets it go round after round after round with this purse sod getting the shit beat out of him, hanging on for dear life against the ropes, just getting toyed with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, the old Calzaghe, I'll wind up the right and smack you with the left. Yeah. Boating and all kinds of carry on. It was embarrassing.
2: It was, and that's the second time this season that they've been absolutely humiliated by them. Um. And, then, and they've only played us once. Yeah. And we I mean 5 nil. When do you when, when does that ever happen? 5 nil at Old Trafford for us. Um I know I know there were still Liverpool the most of us were going in pretty confident, but I know there were definitely Liverpool fans still going in there going, Yeah, we should battle them, but I mean it's it's Old Trafford. we we never do well there, and we just turn up and, and walk through them. Um so that would be lovely, actually. It would be gorgeous. I hadn't really considered that. I should have by now, but I'm just focused on the fact that I know I sort of have this feeling that we're definitely going to get City. Because then, as we were saying pre-pod, I think we're just going to end up playing them and playing them and playing them this season because we're in we're in all the competitions now that are left and we're probably on a collision course in them. Yeah, Johnny, it, it does seem inevitable
0: that, that City... City, that fucking city team will define our season. Um, if we don't do it ourselves, there is a scenario where if we draw them in the semi-final of the cup and the quarterfinals of the Champions League, I think we can play them four times consecutively. <laughs> and we've talked about all of averages earlier on, and there's just you just can't see any way where either side wins more than two of those matches, can you?
1: No, you you couldn't do. I mean, it's um, the I don't I don't even want to think about the stress of playing Man City for, <laughs> four times. It would be, you know, it would be roulette like, you know, it would be it, it, it would be a madness. But no, that, listen. But I think at the same time, you know, we don't want, realistically all of us here. We 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 admit the you know the the quadruple is a really long shot. But as long as you're a football supporter. It's great to think about it, isn't it? And it's great to be in March and being having to think about it a wee bit because you know we're in the we're in the quarters in the FA Cup, we're in the quarters in the in the Champions League, we're right in the thick of a of a title race. Um, so it, it, and we've got one cup in the bag, so you've got to you've got to enjoy it and embrace it. Um, but City so are obviously they when it comes to domestically in particular, they are the nemesis, aren't they? They are the the they are the guys that. We've got to overcome and we know it's not going to be hard. And they've got an edges on us in the league. You know, they've got a lead. They've got better fixtures. Um, but yeah, the thought of four games, <laughs> the thought of four games against them. Oh, it, it fries my head. It absolutely fries my head. Let's hope we don't, you know, let, let's, let's really hope we, we avoid City. Um, I quite like them to draw Real Madrid have just gone through there. Quite like them to draw Real Madrid for a, for a Bayern uh, in the quarters, and, and uh, give us the 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 Ajax tie or the Atletico Man United tie, please. The winners of those that would be that would be much much nicer.
0: <laughs> yeah, chief. There's a, a lot of a lot of um accusations labelled this Manchester City team for a variety of different reasons. You know, where the money comes from, the 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 obvious um let's call it domestic concerns around around the ownership, um, you know, accusations of shell companies and and dodgy sponsorship, et cetera, et cetera. And then also the other accusation that, you know, they can be boring and they can be sterile and um, you know, they're not exciting enough and all this all this chat. But I think when we take it, we take a few steps back, and maybe it'll only become apparent to some people in a few years' time, is that this will go down, this Klopp-Guardiola-Liverpool-Manchester City rivalry, as one of the greatest in the history of European football. It'll go down with the Ferguson-Wengers, with the Guardiola-Mourinhos. This is something that we're living through right now, and... It's actual history, pinnacle of sports stuff. And still people ask for more from this side. From us or from City, you mean? From us. Our fans still ask for more, still find ways to criticize this team, still find, still find, you know, points of, of issue with, with ownership, transfer strategy, performance, individual players, substitutions. And I think there needs to come a point where we actually do step back and accept and realise and appreciate what we're living through right now? Uh,
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, you know, there's no point in in being a fan if you don't. Every now and again, take a step back and, and you know, appreciate the reality that you're in, whether, you know, it's in our case as Liverpool fans at the moment, which is, you know, being... Where you, you only dreamed about being seven, eight seasons ago, you know, back where, back amongst the very, very top, right at the very, very top, pretty much. Um, back sort of competing for the, the biggest of honours on a, on a season in, season out basis. Um, so, you know, after 30 years of, of sporadic sort of success ie you know big big Cup nights for example to you know 2001 2005 Champions League final again 2007 FA Cup final 2006 I think the last of them really was probably the, the Carlin Cup final in what was it 2011 2012 maybe um, and then being 25 years plus and on and on until it was finally thirty years before you win the league. Um, it's just mad to be to be right back up there in playing in, in. You know, this team is gonna. What I'm trying to articulate really badly here is that this team is gonna be spoken about in the same breaths as the teams from the seventies, the eighties. Uh, even you know, going back Shankly's first um league win inside, you know the. You, you grew up on the stories and we started. I think we're all roughly in around the ballpark. So we'd have all started supporting Liverpool when they were still just winning things and still being still right at the top. Certainly in, in domestically, I think we were banned from Europe at the time, but certainly domestically. Um, and 20 odd years and then another 10 years on top of that of. Either United dominance and uh, and or us just sort of slipping away in the oblivion, even after they did, to be back up there is is monumental. And you know when they do look back at history in however many years, and valued the great teams of the past, this team, this side, this. Era under Klopp is going to be right up there, if not at the very top, depending on on how things pan out over the next couple of seasons. Um, so we do need to step back and appreciate it, but at the same time, if, you know, football fans. We're football fans. We're always going to take issue. We're fanatics. I mean, by by nature, we're, we're going to think somehow we might know something that, that that they don't in in some way or another, or that somebody else could. Could maybe do this or that. We're always gonna have opinions. But I absolutely agree. You don't see this kind of thing every day uh or very often at all in, in club football, in a football supporter's life. So so drink it in and enjoy every minute minute of it and you know dream about winning all four because it's still it's still there. Yeah. So Johnny I'm gonna
0: playing a game of devil's advocate for this evening um, we've seen this team improve and we've seen obviously you know people write us off after last season etc um, because of like 48 individual injuries which accounted for like 8 years of collective footballers lives but apparently it was just a centre half we were missing but <laughs> <laughs> do you know um, but I I have a suspicion and a concern that this opportunity to go and do something really special I don't think it'll ever come along again because I think we could potentially be in the nirvana of squad while we still have the squad existing around it and what I'm trying to say what I'm what I mean to say by that is that. We've got five forwards at the minute, like five genuine, genuine options, not Origi's or Minamino's or wild cards five genuine options. And, you know, even the competition in midfield is absurd, but I don't necessarily feel like when Firmino goes, for example, that we replace him, because I think that in essence, we've already replaced him. The same goes for Mane on the other side. So I feel like actually this squad may never be stronger than it is now because you will eventually replace Mane with who may be uh, Fabio Carvalho, for example. And he will be the understudy to Diaz rather than having genuine competition for places across that front five or front three. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but this is why I kind of feel that if this is going to happen
1: ever, it's going to have to
0: happen this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, God, it's a real, it's a, it's a, it's a real good question. I mean, I agree with you with the point you're making that this is a sweet spot with this particular group of players because of the timing of the Diaz signing and because that, yeah, as you say, there are players in that group who we think. We'll get moved on in the summer, potentially. And we've seen that over the last few seasons, we've cut our cloth accordingly in the cups. Um, this is CLAP's first ever, um, quarterfinal <laughs> of the FA Cup, which is kind of hard to believe, but it does tell a story given how consistent we've been in the main competitions. does tell a story about the priority list and how we've used the squad. Um, Obviously, the League Cup winning that, it, it, it is a good it, it, it is a good point. I mean, <clears throat> there's two ways to look at it. Either this is just literally a sweet spot with this group of players where we're coming to the point where some of them are going to move on and we're just in that little spot at the minute where I haven't quite done that so everything looks strong, really strong, uh, above average. Or you could look at it that, you know, um, FSG have been sort of building towards getting a squad of this caliber together and maybe if amani or someone goes in the summer that you know there'll be there'll be other players coming in but but i do i, I mean i absolutely do get the get the point you're you're making and it, it is hard to argue with it in fairness based on all the evidence we've seen under Klopp, it is hard to argue with it that the the depth of forward options is you're, you're quite right i mean we always thought we've got this front three and the quality really dips below it then Jota came and all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is really good because now we can rotate. You know, we can rest one of those guys every week. And Jota came in and he did the business. But but now you've got another one. You know, Diaz has been exceptional. You know, he's 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 fitted like a glove. And uh, and, and yeah, you've got that depth. And then you look in the midfield. You know, you could argue the first choice in the manager's eyes is probably for being Thiago, Hendo. But you've got Kida, who's been superb the last couple of games when he's when he's been called upon. Uh, you've 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 got um, Curtis Jones, you've got oxley Chamberlain, you've got Harvey Elliott. you've got James Milner. You've 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 just got options everywhere. The centre backs have never looked stronger. We've got four genuinely top door centre backs. We've got real cover at left back, and um, probably right back covers anything. So yeah, it's. It's a mad thing to think about, but it it does stand up what you're saying. So, you know, we've got to we, we've got to embrace it, got to embrace it and use that depth, and hopefully it'll carry us to, you know, aim for aim for the aim for the four of them. But I think if anyone, you know, if we win either the league, or the Champions League, along with the League Cup, I suspect we'd all be absolutely chuffed to bits with this season. And, and if we can get anything more, it'll be amazing. Beyond, beyond belief, yeah.
0: me. Yeah, absolutely, chief. Do, the Fill the, the glass half full rather than half empty. As football fans, we generally always want just one more, right? That's, that's always the thing, isn't it? I, I, we just love one more. Just love one more in a midfield. Just love one more up front. You know, and that would just, that would just make me feel a whole lot better about everything. Um. And this is the first time in my lifetime I can remember that we don't want. I don't want one more. Like, where do you? Where do you even put them? You know, it's, it's 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 it would be gluttony more than anything else. Um, and maybe what happens is is what Johnny and I have just discussed. Or, and I don't know what you think about this is, have the ownership looked up the road and seen a hundred million pounds on Jack Grealish and. See the fact that you know City have this unbelievable wealth of options, and if we are going to compete and we are looking at what previously obviously Chelsea spending power, what they've done in the summer, um, last summer and the summer before that, Arsenal are starting to make make tracks. United are United, but generally, you know, they're not shy, the Blazers aren't shy of putting their hands in their pockets as was shown during the summer with Sancho and. I'm sure someone else that I can't think of like oh uh, Ronaldo, and all the money that he cost is this maybe a change of tact from the ownership, like we've seen in the past with for example, the Tiago signing that we just thought was just absolutely not within their model?
2: I wouldn't be surprised if if there was a little bit of that in there, I mean. I think what John, I mean, I've been listening to what you were talking about in, in terms of the the squad and the sweet spot and all that, and it's a little bit like, I mean, it's very much like two thousand and one because that was that was a double squad as well almost, and there were players in there, um, like Robbie Fowler was still in 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 that side, for example, and and scores a really important goal in the in the Europa League final. I think he scores on the in the on the run to the. The scores, yeah, scores in the final, cup final as well. League cup Scors final, whatever. Brilliant volley against Birmingham. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the squad was, was heavy that season. It was, it was the best squad we'd, we had during that era. Um, between Roy Evans and Jared Hulier and Hulier had, and, and Phil Thompson as well. Hulier went on to have three more seasons, I think, in charge and, um, He never, he never rebuilt a squad that was anything near as good as that. So what happened then was after that season, you know, some players did move on, some of the wrong ones, and we signed some players, mostly the wrong ones. Um, and you don't want that to happen again. Um, but I don't think it will, to be honest. I think the, what they've put in place at the club, the, the scouting network, the, the negotiating team, the their analytics, and um, how how the, how they approach players, how they identify their you know them based on on actual character traits as well as as um, football attributes, um, you know, how, you know very much fitting into the ethos of the club and the project and all that, you know, and and. Being the right kind of person is, 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 is as, as important as, as how good you are. Um, it's, it's a, it's an immense or formidable, um, array of, of, um, of attributes really. Whenever you, whenever you, um, are looking to sign players and whenever you're looking to build squads and the fact that they are the we barely. Get put a foot wrong essentially in, in the transfer market these days and haven't for many seasons. I mean, the worst people can have point, I mean, apart from Lars Karius who was a, was a, was a Klopp signing. Um, there just haven't really been any misses. You know, up until this season, people might have pointed to Kaida, but that based purely on, on injury. You know, I would, I have my, uh, Sort of pet peeve for Ox, but I mean he's still been a good signing, you know what he has contributed. He's contri- to, yeah, and he's been big moments. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I you can't think of of one that's actually not worked. So um that that says something. So that that says to me that the next people that we sign, if and when Mane and the likes of Mane and Firmino perhaps do move on, although. I, I don't know necessarily that they will. Mane, maybe. Maybe. But we'll see.
0: So the um, question there, Chief, is if Mane moves on, say, for instance, in the summer, do we sign another one or do we just go, actually, we're signed with the four and maybe we'll let Firmino go the next year and we're signed with the three, bring
2: Elliot? We'll, and- I, think, I think, you know, we, we sign because I think if Mane does go this summer or any of them go this summer, you know, off the back of, winning even even so we've all got one in the bag we're in in three trophies so if you win if you can win two of them or even one of the big ones you know you're going off with you know a decent transfer fee not massive but decent and I think the money gets reinvested and I think that they that you know we never really go out once or twice we'll have, but we never really go out and pay top dollar. I mean, look at Diaz. It's a brilliant signing for the money. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant signing anyway, but for the money, it's, it's unreal. A hundred million for Jack Grealish. You know, compare that to what you pay, pay for a Luis Diaz, um, in today's market. Um, you, what I'm trying to say is you'd back us to go out and, and sign another belter. You, w- we wouldn't be going out and spending Coutinho money, you know, but, You'd go out and you, you'd back the 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 scouting team and the and, and the those in charge of the transfers to get it right again. Um, so I, I think we're in a very good position, and I think it you know we don't really want to think beyond Klopp at this point. But provided you know you can carry the ethos on, which I think you can, I think those systems have been pretty well put in place now. Those structures. Um. So yeah, I'd be, I, I, I think FSG to come back to your question that they've, they've adapted their model, but it's still pretty much the same. They're still looking for value in the market. They're still looking to, if you like, game the system in some kind of a way, but just by extracting maximum value in terms of you know, getting the absolute best for their money, basically, going out and, and, and shopping around and, and identifying and doing the speed work and, and buying those or putting people in place who can do that to identify absolute winners.
0: Yeah, and it's the same, Johnny, as we said, you know, it, it's the same as on the pitch. It's a process, it's a process, it's the process to keep borrowing that, that Brad Pitt line from Moneyball. I and mean, it is a process and they trust in the process and the process continues The results. Um, One process that people have kind of labelled criticism at is is the youth policy, and I'm not convinced by this. I think we've sold something like 100 and putting this number out of the air. I think 147 million pounds worth of sales from the academy since 2015, and I'm trying to remember if that's right or not. But let's just say that it is. Um so that's yielding results, but you know, I just think we've talked about all the transfer policies and sign ins, etc., and blah blah blah. The guy that is really, really the common for me for me, probably Salas Van Dijk's, Allison's Fabinho's, etc. for me the most important player in the team is 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 Trent. And he, he really has gone up a level this season in performance, in numbers, and output, and in influence in the game, even in his physicality. And you know, this sometimes I think is a is a talent that gets lost amongst all of the money that's spent and all the modern football phrases and and perceptions that the younger generation of fans have. But this guy is this guy is everything to this side. He's what makes us different. Actually, isn't
1: he? Oh yeah, he is. And I mean you still get the narrative. I mean <clears throat> I was watching the game at the weekend and there was uh, there was a couple of old fellas beside me who were talking about, you know, he oh he's always out of position. He's a terrible defender. And it is <laughs> you know, it is just it is just laughable the narrative about him. I mean, for starters he done some really excellent bits of defending last night and then he obviously he cleared the one off the line. Uh, Against West Ham. So, but but listen, the thing is, Jay, he's a generational talent. He really is. He's a generational talent. He, his range of passing, the way he steps, um, with the way he steps onto the ball in that position now, which is, you know, he's got this new position this season where he's coming into this almost like a bit infield and you've seen it with Harvey Elliott sort of, Hugging the touchline to almost create the room for him. Jordan Henderson does it as well when he plays on the right side of the three in midfield. Um, for all the signings, for all the, the youth development we talk about, he is exceptional. He is the most important playmaker in our team. Um, Johnny,
0: that cross, that cross in the corner that gets headed out against Inter Milan, where he's, almost, he's running almost towards his own goal, and he
1: whips it. Yes. Towards the back post. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I do. I do. I do know the one because it was, I think it wasn't long after he'd put the one on Maddox. Yeah. Head that hit the bar and then there was another one and they cleared it and it comes back out. Yeah. I think it's the one, the one from the one, the one from Van
0: Dyke's header that's cleared away.
2: Yes.
1: That's the one. It's, it's an exceptional, the technical ability that he has, you know, i i I think the biggest compliment you can pay Trent, is when he stepped up and put that ball in you weren't one bit surprised when you see him stepping up to the ball, you just expect and even if you think about the West Ham game, I mean the decisive moment in the match is you know Kaer scoops the ball out to him, he takes one touch and he just zips in this cross that uh, people talk about the <laughs> the corridor of uncertainty or whatever that's what they used to call it. He is the maestro of putting the ball in there, and you've always got Manny, you've always got Salah, Jada, gambling on that ball, um, but he's everything we do as a team, he's integral to it, the switches the play, the those balls around the corner for the likes of, of Salah, Manny to get, to get on the end of, um, and I just think he's just so hard to defend against because of where he plays. He, he's not a conventional midfielder, but we find a way to get him involved in play where he's stepping onto the ball. He sees the whole picture on the pitch when he gets the ball. That's a luxury you don't have if you're starting the game in midfield because I think one of the things people don't sort of grasp is if you're playing centre midfield, like, for example, if you're Fabinho, if you're picking the ball up off Virgil van Dijk, you're automatically looking back towards your own goal and then you're having to turn. And I think the beauty of what they've done with Trent is he's got all the technical ability in the world but we've played him in a position where a lot of the time he's coming onto the ball with forward momentum he's striding forward onto the ball as he gets it and he can see everything and, and we've really created this, this space this little niche pocket of space uh, but the way we shape our midfield and it just gives him that one or two seconds to get his head up and that's all he needs as soon as he gets a picture in his head, he can execute any pass and he's there's not a doubt in my mind that um, by the time that boy finishes up, what age is he, 22? Um, I think he's 22. He will go down as absolutely in the conversations as one of Liverpool's greatest ever players. There's no, there's not a, not a doubt for me and as you say Dave, everything about him, physicality, um, that stepped up a notch. I just think it's consistency. and Everything he does, his creativity figures are just absolutely off the charts. He's, he's going to be integral. And I know what you mean. We, we, we think about Van Dyke and we think about Fabinho, Virgil, Mo. Those guys are critical players. But I'll tell you what, if we lost him for a sustained period, we would suffer so much as a team. Uh, in every aspect of our attacking game, it would be a massive blow. He's he's absolutely sensational.
0: Yeah, and and
1: Chief Johnny's right about his
0: defending. I think this is the biggest myth in football. I, I remember standing with you watching the watching the um the League Cup final, and for nearly the entire second half and extra time, Trent was phenomenally brilliant at defending. And like every time it happened, me and my mate Brendan, who was sitting just front, we just turned around and said to each other. At exactly the same time, every time. Can't defend. Sure, can't defend. And again, last night, I thought defensively, he was absolutely brilliant. parasites looked like he started brightly, but Trent completely nullified him. He's sweeping up and behind. I think it's one of his best assets. He's just covering him behind the two centre-halves. I think he's brilliant at it. And the other thing is, Johnny's right. You know, I think this is labelled to Trent sometimes because often... He is sitting in that kind of inside right midfield position and the ball's pumped in behind the defence into that right-back area. And immediately people think that it's because he can't defend. If you want me to show you a right-back who can't defend, it's Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who is constantly caught out of position, who, yes, he's great one-on-one, but can he defend his front post? No. Can he defend the back post? Absolutely not. Can he sweep in behind his centre-halves? Well, no, and tell you what, those centre-halves need sweeping in behind more often than most. So, I think, as Johnny says, Chief, this I, I think he's absolutely right. I think if, if we lose Trent for a sustained period of time, not only are we losing one of the best players in the world, but it actually drastically changes the way that we play, and we have to adapt probably to that more than any losing any other player in the
2: pitch. No, I mean, he's, he's top quality. He's, he's absolutely up there in the, you know, the handful of players that are, that are first on the team sheet. Um, we do suffer massively when he doesn't play. We've had times this season where the full backs have been rested. I mean, typically you look at the FA Cup game, um, uh, against Norwich, which we won 2-0. Uh, Menamino scores twice, uh, to Kraken. Well, particularly the second one, but two good goals. Um, and it was 2-1 in the end. So we were cruising at 2-0 and, and we started, we conceded a very similar goal to the one we did against, um, the one we did against Inter just last night. Um, it's a, it's a mistake. I think it's a bad pass. Uh, we give it away. Uh, Oxlade, I think it's Chamberlain. Doesn't get close enough, but it, somebody doesn't get close enough to the shot anyway. And ah, for you, it's for you, it's always Chamberlain's fault. I, it May as well be. <laughs> <laughs> and Sergeant just leathers it, and it flies in past Ali. Um, but it's given away, um, and I think it might be mad that it gives away the pass as well. Uh, so maybe almost a carbon copy. But um, it's one of them where he didn't play and we had to find another way uh, and we did and we're good at. we've been good at that this season and we're getting better and better at it but when Trent isn't in the side you massively notice it and if it would, yeah heaven forbid but if it were ever for a sustained period we would have to rethink what we're doing really because he has such an influence I mean he you don't want to use any kind of term from another sport or whatever. He just he's 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 our playmaker basically. I mean, going back in in old money, they used to be basically number eight slash ten types, but like the like the Glenn Hoddle sort of player. Yeah, if you want the 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 Ayala the the.
0: You know, he or the, the Raquel May or the these yeah. types of boys that kind of don't
2: they look like they don't run an awful lot, but they dictate everything. Yeah, Raquel May's a, a good one. Like, he was, he was fabulous. Like, but I mean, Trent's playing that kind of role from nominally a right back position, but as Johnny said, or, or was it you that said there, he's, he's, he, t- he doesn't start at right back, you know, he's right back, um, nominally, but. He plays much higher um, and he affects the game much more. And his defending is is great. He may have been suspect a couple of seasons ago in the odd game. And he got that reputation. And it's easy as well. The press love to say they love to think attacking fullbacks can't defend. So the second they're quote-unquote out of position or, you know, uh, they make a mistake or they miss a header, I think once or twice he was targeted. You Know and he before he bulked up and, and that, and he was maybe out jumped a couple of times or he got caught under the ball, perhaps. I mean, he was a kid, he's still a kid now, but he was a really a kid then. Um, yeah, and it is this thing you talk about often, chief. It is it's
0: narrative, and it's people wanting to continue to push a narrative that they they that they, they pushed two years ago and refused to accept that they're wrong. So, every opportunity they take,
2: they will continue to push that narrative confirmation bias all the time as well it's like mm-hmm. okay so he's done this two or three times that you've seen in, in his career and you've labelled him so every time that happens in or, or comes close to happening you're pushing it again you're pushing it again and uh, you know you, it happens a lot people, people take an, an opinion about anything and they hold that opinion for a long time but things constantly change you know whatever it's about, and footballers are the same. Of course they do. You don't want Trent to be doing the same things now as he was doing two, three, four seasons ago when he was when he was coming through. He's maturing and he's getting better and better. So I mean, keep up, lads. Yeah, pretty much. All right, Johnny. Let's
0: get back to business. It's bright and on Saturday afternoon, morning. Well, first game. I hate playing the first game. It can ruin your whole weekend. Um, but, also <laughs> it it, but also it gets it if it also it gets out of the way so you can relax. Um, Brighton have been a Brighton posed a difficult a difficult challenge for us over the last number of years. Normally we come away with a result, but it's never an easy game. Um, probably one of our worst performances of the season at Ampland, um back end the last year, and they're good. Like, I genuinely rate the manager. I think they play good football. I think they are, are more advanced, analytically driven and get loads of benefit from that than people give them credit for. And Potter completely buys into that. And there seems to be a really good relationship between him and the hierarchy that, that makes that relationship work and they're getting success on the pitch. And they don't have the budget, but it can make things really hard for you. They have, I think, suffered a blow. They lost the big lad, the big centre-half, to Newcastle, didn't they? Dan Burn, isn't that right?
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that's been a bit of a blow to them because it's difficult for a side like that to, to lose a player that is kind of integral to, to what they do and how they play. Um, he's decent on the ball. He's good in the air. He does all that good stuff that we would like point to, Malib, to that, that Malap does so this might actually be one of these weird scenarios that we rarely find ourselves in where it's a nice time to play them because their form seems to have dipped a little bit the last few weeks
1: yeah I, I'd agree with that um, I think it, I think it is a really good time to play them, I agree with what you say as well, I mean Potter's done an excellent job there, they've been steadily improving they seem pretty well run club they buy well Um They have a style of play that's pretty consistent, no matter who they play, and they they have a a game plan they stick to. But like being factual about it, I think their last win in the league at home uh, was on Boxing Day, believe it or not, Um, and that was against Brentford, who were absolutely yeah, they're draw
0: specialists.
1: They're draw specialists, aren't they? Yeah, they they've you know they've I think actually if you looked through. If if you actually look through their form um, for a for a home win, I, I, genuinely their, their their home form in the league is absolutely shocking. I think between um, I, I think between September and Boxing Day, I think they've won two games. I think they beat Brighton back in September. And they beat they are, sorry, they are Brighton. Brighton they beat Leicester sorry <laughs> they beat Leicester in September they beat Brentford and Boxing Day every game was 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 a draw or something like that and they've been they've they've really been struggling I mean they've been absolutely they've been comprehensively beaten as well in the last few weeks at home by like Burnley Dunham three Villa done two so listen it's uh, and they they lost at Newcastle at the weekend but they've been Really, really bad. Um, there's no doubt. It's probably one of the worst runs of form they've had under Potter in a long time. So, I would like to think that, you know, it's a good time to play them. The complacency of the the weekend uh, should be, um, or sorry, the complacency of maybe that we've levelled at Liverpool a little bit. We plan to two up. I don't think we were that complacent. I think we we're really <laughs> unlucky and hit the woodwork. Might have been a little bit of lack of sharpness there, but um, I, I think it's a, it's a perfect opportunity to to go there. And I think if we play with that hunger and with that um, tempo, um, this is a game we should win. We, we, we really should win. They're they're not in a good space. Their confidence is low. They struggle to score goals against anyone. Um, so we have just got to be on a game. Um, these are the sort of games. Listen, we've got to win. Uh, Brighton in the current form they're in. That's <clears throat> as, as both you guys were saying. You know, the, the the Brighton home game in the league is one of the most frustrating games of the season. We were absolutely sensational uh, for long spells in the first half. Then we just inexplicably lost control of the game, let them back in there. That was a really, really careless. Two points dropped. Um, that could, that could really cost us come May. Um, for me, perfect time to play them. And one of these, it, it seems like every week we've been playing catch up. You know, we're trying to get the six point gap back to three, um, you know, just chipping away at City. So it's an opportunity with them not playing the Monday to really, again, just put the pressure on them. And um, I'd imagine Crystal Palace away will be a much tougher game than Man United. Uh, that's the way of the world these days. So, uh, yeah, thanks for being time.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um Chief, this is this is a relative break for this side after recent exploits uh, after, after recent exploits. Um it's Tuesday to Saturday. Um that works for us. You know, that, that works nicely for us. Um after all the gurning that people say Clock did about, you know, not doing the whole Wednesday to Saturday morning fixture and everybody said he was being being a moan and being a crybaby, and then other people come out and say that they went, oh, yeah, that probably is a sensible idea. So what sort of side do you see? Do you think Do you think he continues strong? I imagine Henderson probably comes back in. I wonder who the other two midfielders are. I wonder what he does with the top, with the front three. Probably maybe Kanate. What do you think?
2: Well, I think, first off, up front, I think Diaz comes in. Uh, I think he starts. I would say Salah starts. He loves a goal against Brighton. Um, and then it's it's a, probably still a choice between Mane and Jota uh, because I don't think Bobby's quite there. He's not far away, but I'm not sure if he'd be, be ready for the weekend because it's an early kickoff as well, isn't it? Um, which is never fun. I never really like playing half twelve on a Saturday. I mean, unless you win. You when you win, it's great, but it's um, it's always a little bit like um, no one, the crowd's never that up for it. Everyone's a bit sleepy. Then the games never really yeah hit the, the heights. The, the other thing as well, the other thing as well, chief, it's always the fucking poop and
0: buster, isn't it?
2: Absolutely, no matter what. Like, but never you, back the early game. You never go for the early kickoff. Like, I mean, the odd time you get it right, and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're on the way, and that's nice. But nine times out of ten, it it'll trip you up. Um. So I never really like those games, but I think you know, squad wise, uh, Thiago gets sixty. He probably comes back in. Um Henderson probably starts and you'd probably say Fabinho stays in. As you said, it's Tuesday, Tuesday, Saturday. Um, notwithstanding it is the early kickoff. Um at the back, yeah, Canate maybe comes in. Why not? He he likes to he likes to rotate that. Um other than that. You don't see, you don't really see any changes. Um, I think it, it could be Jota, um, or unless he wants to keep Jota fresh for Arsenal. Jota loves playing Arsenal. How many goals has he, he scored against them now? Um, it's uh, he, he got two against them last time as well. So you've got those options. You know what I mean? Um, I think it, it could be one where. Do you see? If you're going Thiago Anderson. Fabinho then obviously there's no space for I mean I don't think ox starts a um another league game really this season but then would you be surprised if he if he if he was on the team sheet overly what about so, a, a worse than worse than nabby shout you know yeah Kaida as well um he only comes off the bench so he can come back in um does he want to play thiago again so quickly I don't know I mean, these are all questions for the manager, but it doesn't really bother you who starts. Um, you know it's going to be a strong eleven, and you know they're all they're all capable. Personally, I wouldn't like to see somebody like Chamberlain. Not somebody like I wouldn't like to see Chamberlain start. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Um, do you know what? Do you know what, it's gotten to the point now, Chief, where You don't even need to say it. We all know. Yeah, but he hasn't. I mean, he hasn't covered himself in glory. Let's be fair. Uh, certainly in recent performances. So I don't, I mean, I think we've just got so many better options in there. Um, but I think he probably stays very strong. I don't think you're seeing Minamino start, Chamberlain start, um, Devox not, not starting. Um, so you're looking at, as I said, Diaz coming back in and, any one, you know, any three of, of five really in in the midfield, but likely you're likely to see Anderson back in there. Um, would, would anyone else like to take a guess at it, who'll it, come in? Because when you, when you start to talk about it, it's like, well, you've got so many options at the moment and all of them are good. Yeah. I
0: don't know, Johnny. I think there might be a shout for. Fabinho, is, I'm trying to think, I'm trying. To, do you know what, I'm trying to think, does Fabinho drop out, does he
1: put Henderson in the six, maybe, and bring in Kaida and another? He might do, he might do, I mean that's crossed my mind, I think Kaida definitely plays, Hendo definitely starts, it's whether he goes with Fabinho still in there, I mean, Fabinho put in a big shift the other night, I agree, Canadi's likely, um, I think he might see some the cast as well. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, you might see some come in for uh, come in for Rabo. Um, I think Diaz is a cert. Um, who for? I don't know. I'm probably thinking Manny maybe because um, Jada's had a wee bit of a break uh, recently. Um, so yeah, listen. I, I think they'll shuffle the pack. I think you'll see three or four, three or four changes. Um but that's absolutely fine because there's loads of um you know, as we said, there's absolutely buckets of quality anyway there. Um and, and they're they're not playing great. So yeah, I mean the midfield will be interesting one. It'll just be interesting to see if he goes with um Fabinho. Um you know, there's four days between that and Arsenal, which is I just my thinking is he will see I think if you're looking at Brighton's home form and their form in general. I think Klopp might, given we've just, you know, come through a pretty tough game against Inter, this is why I'm thinking you might see Simicas, Canadi, yeah, and you may see you 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 might see Fabinho drop out just because we've got that game at Arsenal and I, and I must say that game next Wednesday night against Arsenal, mm-hmm. that's going to be one of our toughest games of the run in.
0: Oh, we're scared of Arsenal
1: now, or with Johnny? Well, I think that'll be—it's one of our toughest games in the running. I think if you look at who's left to play, um, obviously City goes without saying, but they're—they're they're a form team and they have players that can that can hurt us. I wouldn't say we're scared. I like think if we're on our game, we 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 <laughs> we beat them. But I take the point that you know you you've been sort of championing. Arteta's work at Arsenal for a while, but they're certainly a team who, they're on the rise and they've got, in the likes of Smith-Rowe, I know he's sort of tends to come off the bench, but Martinelli, Saka, um, they've got they've got real threat there. They seem to have the, you know, they seem to be building a way of playing. It's, it's tough. They gave City a, a, they were so unlucky to lose to City. They really did match City for most of the game, so um, that's going to be and I, I genuinely think that'll play into the collapse thinking I think he might gamble a little bit to give as I say Rabo, maybe Fabinho uh, certainly Thiago I think he'd want Thiago at Arsenal um, the one for me is would he would he potentially give Mo a wee break uh, it's been playing on my mind that he might do something with Salah because AFCON he's come back he's been running to the ground at AFCON and uh, we really need him sharp. You know, we've got three games and eight days now coming up after four and nine. So we've got that Brighton game, Arsenal Wednesday, Forrest in the Cup next Sunday. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. But listen, a minimum four changes for, for me. Yeah. So, um,
0: thanks, lads. We'll see how we get on. But until next time, folks, up the, we really don't care who we start threads.